Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to My Favourite Work of Art with me, Dr. Laura-Jane Foley. Each week, I'm joined in the studio by a guest who tells me all about an artwork that means something to them. Today, my guest is Ben Page, the chief executive of Ipsos Mori, one of the UK's leading market research organisations. Educated at Oxford University, Ben joined Ipsos Mori in 1987, straight after graduation. He became chief executive of Ipsos in the UK and Ireland in 2009. He is a frequent writer and speaker on trends, leadership and performance management. He has directed hundreds of surveys examining consumer trends and citizen behaviour. Ben is a fellow of the Academy of Social Sciences and serves on advisory groups at the King's Fund, Institute of Public Policy Research and the Social Market Foundation. He's also a trustee at the Think Tank Centre for London. Ben was named in GQ magazine's 100 Most Connected Men of 2015 and he regularly appears on national TV and radio. And you can hear from the laughter that he's joined me in the studio already. I think that's plenty. (laughs) Welcome, Ben. Thanks for joining me today. Not at all. Um, So tell me, what is your favourite work of art? I've chosen this small Baroque church by uh, Borromini in Rome uh, because it just made a huge impact on me when I I hitchhiked there when I was 19. And it was my first encounter, really, with, with Baroque architecture. And I think... You know, if you haven't seen um, Italian Baroque before, it just sort of blows your mind if you're interested in architecture. And I did, part of my history degree was a, was a component of English architecture at, at, at roughly the same time as this church. And I think the first thing you have to remember is the Italians were about 100 years ahead of Britain in terms of architecture generally in the early 17th century, which is when this church was built. So we were just about getting the idea of classical architecture. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Italians had already done that, been there, and they were going Baroque. And this This church is just amazing. The front, you know, instead of being flat like a classical building, he's got he's got concave curves, he's got convex curves, uh, he's got all sorts of things going on. It's built as part of a, a city improvement plan as Rome was dragging itself out uh, of the previous century and modernising itself. Um, again, a piece of town planning that you wouldn't see in Britain for some time. And, of course, you go from this noisy, bustling street with this church, with this amazing facade, into this space of, again, um, coolness, tranquility with this beautiful oval dome, which again is amazingly innovative, uh, particularly compared to anything that was going on in Britain uh, that century. And whereas other Baroque churches in Rome or older churches in Rome are a sort of mass of garish marble, gilt, 
paint, you name it, stucco, all sorts of things stuck together. And in this Borromini church and other Borromini churches in Rome, it's a much more tranquil, ordered sort of space. So there is there is harmony, but there are also interesting juxtapositions. Um, so and that's why it's my it's my favourite work of art. It symbolises it symbolises the Baroque and um, and you know just invention and and the sort of way in which a building can be a work of art and have as much impact on you as a, as any any painting. Absolutely. In fact, I'm delighted that you have chosen a piece of architecture. Um, had you heard of it before you went, or was it literally stumbling across it when you when you it was literally it? stumbling across it and this seeing is... this wonderful serpentine facade? I mean, it's yeah uh, a, a wonderful building where it sort of goes in and out, and it's it's very sensual almost, isn't it? Absolutely. And you're you're wandering down this this long street, which actually has several uh, tre- interesting churches. One by his main rival, Benini, which is actually also oval, but the other way around. Um, but this one I like for its smallness, its calmness, uh, and the fact that it's on, you know, it was on the corner. So yes, it was, I was 19 years old. I didn't know anything about architecture at the time. Uh, and it was just amazing to suddenly see this. I'd literally, I was staying in a, I remember actually I paid five pounds to stay in a in somebody's room inside somebody's flat with my girlfriend of the time. There were bed bugs. Oh. And we got out of bed as quickly as we could once we realised there were bed bugs in this flat, walked through these people's kitchen. It was only a fiver, so we perhaps shouldn't complain too much. <laughs> and walked down this street, because we knew we were heading towards, I think, the um, Fontana di Trevi, and of course stumbled on this and I went inside and uh, yeah, it stayed with me for the, you know, for the next uh, forty plus years. Are you religious as well? Did you come from a religious background? Not at all. No, my family are all Marxist atheists. So um, no, I'm not. I'm not particularly religious. I'd like to be religious, and I'd I'd really like to become an ardent Catholic. But I'm afraid um, my rational atheist Marxist upbringing makes that a bit tricky. So it was more the beauty of the building and. And it's the unusualness of the plot as well, because it sits on a corner plot, doesn't it? That's right. So he's got to—he's got a bit of a facade. He's got a fountain actually in one corner, because of course you've got—you've got this crossroads. You have to imagine, and in each corner of the crossroads is a large bath, effectively, with a figure reclining over it and water pouring out. And of course, before um, it was turned into a sort of a four-lane highway, uh, it would have been pretty—it would be—it would have been a lovely spot, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, at the moment, of course, it isn't. But yes, he's managed to fit this church into a very constrained site. He's also managed to squeeze into next to the church, which you go in through uh, just at the back behind the altar. Um, on one side, there's a blind arch, and on the other side, you go into a tiny cloister uh, that he's built for the monks to um, think about things in. And, of course, beautifully in there, he's played also. There are all sorts of little architectural games going on for anybody who's studied uh, the rules of classical architecture. He's got pediments underneath columns, underneath the, to- underneath the capitals of columns, uh, he's got all sorts of things squeezed in inside the um, uh, the cloister. There's a little game where he's made the balustrades go up and down, so that they're sort of fluted upwards. And then you notice the one next to it goes downwards. So again, he's using all of these sort of baroque devices to capture your attention. Um, and of course, with the Counter Reformation, which is what this church is part of, hopefully focus you on this um, closeness to God. And and you know, rather than having the altar miles away in the distance and strange things going on here, you're literally bang everything it's a centralized planned church again radical by british standards um, and you're sitting right in the heart of the action you're you know there is nowhere the priest is literally touchable almost mm. when he's talking to you mm. 
So you went when you were 19? Absolutely. And I've gone... And how many times have you gone uh, since? Must be at least another 15 to 20 times in the intervening years, I'd imagine. And has it always held that fascination for you and, and delight? And Yeah, absolutely. And it's just when you go in there, it's one of those spaces. I mean, it's a little like um, some people listening to this may have walked into the Pantheon in Rome. When you stroll into the Pantheon and, uh, and you see that huge oculus um, for the first time and you realise this building is you know nearly 2,000 years old, it's an amazing feeling. Go in there and I feel I think you'll feel exactly the same when you look up at uh, Borromini's Oval above you. Are there any other uh, pieces of architecture that have similarly inspired you, maybe in the UK? Um, well, in, the, in Britain, actually, I, I, if in the city, I would often stop by, and I still do stop by, St. Stephen's Woolbrook, which is another centrally planned church. And it's Wren, after the Great Fire of London, experimenting with domes, because, of course... Britain didn't have domed churches, and particularly not centrally planned domed churches. And so at St. Stephen's Warbrook, you've got another similarly small church. It's not quite as dramatic. It's certainly not Baroque. And of course, Baroque became very rapidly frowned on in Britain as dangerously Catholic and uh, French and Italian, which weren't approved of in Britain in the late 17th and early 18th century. But there was this moment where Wren and Hawksmoor and Vanborough were experimenting. It's called the English Baroque. It didn't like. It only lasted for sort of 20 or 30 years. And you you can see little bits of that, little hints of that in St. Stephen's Walbrook, which of course is Wren experimenting before he goes for broke with the Dome of St. Paul's, um, which again is a massive, St. Paul's itself as it stands today is a mass of compromises, but there are all sorts of echoes actually of Rome and Roman Baroque architecture on this English Protestant cathedral. Uh, if you look at the south porch, for example, of St. Paul's, it's an echo of, a, of another Roman church called Santa Maria della Pace, which is just behind Piazza Navone. And that 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 porch of the circular pediment is taken is taken directly from there. So there are all these echoes in English architecture of of the architecture of the um, Italian Renaissance and, and indeed bits of Italian Baroque architecture. And the, to be honest, this. You know, having studied English architecture in the late 17th century, it was what gave me my lifelong love of Italy because most of the precedents actually come often from books because people didn't travel quite as much in those days, um, but from, you know, from Italian and French Baroque and Renaissance architecture. Wonderful. I'm interested that you chose another church when I asked about architecture. So was that something as a child that maybe your parents took you around churches? Was I that? was dragged around uh. churches every summer in the 1970s. My parents didn't have a lot of money. My father was an academic and it wasn't that well paid. But um, my mum and my brother and I used to go in a small red mini and camp. I think I remember we went for a, we used to go for a month at a time and we could only afford to eat in a restaurant one night during that month. So the rest of the time it was cooking, it was fruit and veg and chopping things up around a pot over a fire. We had a great summer's but my mother had a thing about Romanesque architecture. And so we would go and take mostly the carvings and we would be going literally dragged round uh, provincial France for a month photographing uh, architecture. And, I, and I, I guess some of that rubbed off. I wasn't reading books about it at the time, but um, they were very beautiful. And then having studied... Uh, the, uh, I suppose, the arrival of, of classical and Renaissance architecture in Britain in the in the 17th century at university, and then going back to Rome, and of course making the connection with all of these uh, often, you know, mostly Italian buildings, um, that has has stuck with me for life. So yes, my parents are are responsible for all of this, and in fact, it was my my father who suggested I I took the architecture component of the history course at Oxford, which I've never regretted. Mm. 
Yeah. So um, they took you to churches. Did they also take you to galleries and museums? Of course. Yeah. I mean, I remember being dragged round the Tate from the age of about seven and sort of bitterly complaining that I was tired and uh, my father telling me that this is good for you and you need stamina. We, we would literally do uh, the Tate, the National, the Science Museum uh, and the Courtauld on, in a single day. Did uh, you live in London? Or no, we lived in, I grew up in Devon in Exeter. So right. we would come up on the train with my father and this would be a, this would be a sort of pilgrimage to these places and um, that would happen that happened repeatedly during my childhood so I was told early on that you know you need stamina for walking around galleries but again I suppose if you're if you're um, you know if you're being introduced that at an early age it has an effect on you and remember my both my um, paternal grandfathers well there aren't maternal grandfathers are there both my grandfathers were um, professional artists so there's a, my brother is an artist um, and so I guess there's some something somewhere some sort of connection despite being in survey research and politics and uh, everything else uh, do you paint at all? Did you paint when you were younger? Yeah, very badly. So I'm, so I'm not. I'm certainly not uh, doing that. No, I'm not. I'm not particularly artistic. I mean, I'm. I'm interested in ideas. I'm, I love art, but I've decided. I think it's there's plenty of art around in the world already, and it's being created at a sort of amazing rate on an hourly basis. So I don't think I need to add to it um, to the sum of it. But no, I think in terms of understanding history, buildings, in terms of the physical, almost physical effect you have on you. I think personally, I think that churches and cathedrals would have to be invented and spaces like them, even if we didn't have religion, because people need somewhere to go and contemplate, um, etc. And you know, whether it's a beautiful landscape or an amazing church, in some ways you could say it has a similar effect. And people need those spaces uh, as much today as they ever have, quite frankly. Thank you. Um, well, that was lovely. Thanks so much for coming in and talking to me about that, Ben. Today we were talking about the Church of San Carlo alla Quattro Fontaine, in English, St Charles at the Four Fountains, a Roman Catholic church in Rome. The church was designed by the architect Francesco Borromini, who was born in 1599 and who died aged 67 in 1667. Borromini received the commission in 1634 and the church was consecrated in 1646. Also known as San Carlino, the church is considered to be a masterpiece of Baroque architecture with its ornate serpentine facade and extravagant features. If you would like to see the artwork we were discussing this week or carry on the conversation further, you can find me on Twitter at Laura Jane Foley. And if you want to discuss the show, please use the hashtag my favourite work of art. The show was recorded at Wise Budder in London and was edited by Jack Townley. The title music is Blue from Colours by Dimitri Scarlatto. I hope you'll be able to join me next time. Goodbye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.